Welcome to the 37th episode of the Animal Riot Podcast, brought to you by Animal Riot Press, a literary press for books that matter. It's your producer Katie here, and this episode has been edited to reflect our new name. If you're new to the Animal Riot community, welcome, and you can find out more about us at AnimalRiotPress.com. Now on to the episode with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and today's guest, Abby Wright. I'm your host, Brian Birnbaum. I'm here today with Abby Wright, who's the senior editor of Read It Forward, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Read It Forward, I love this. Read It Forward is a publisher agnostic book vertical that helps readers discover exciting new books and classic reads, which is a clusterfuck of like millennial buzzwords or like, you know, that's, yeah, I love that. I need that explained to me as yeah. a Luddite, <laughs> like, you know. Prior to her position at Read It Forward, Abby was a contributing editor at Glamour, where she helmed the magazine's 2015 College Women of the Year competition and an assistant editor at O, which we all know is the Oprah magazine. Holy shit. Oh. Where she contributed to the reading room and live your best life sections. And uh, yeah, more millennial. I love it. More millennial shit. And <laughs> sections and worked on Oprah's book club 2.0, which I actually wasn't aware of. A lot of things I, I need explained to me. <laughs> she has also written for The Cut, Metro, Modern Bride, Elegant Bride, and Philadelphia Magazine. Any relation between Modern Bride and Elegant Bride? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that too. Wow. <laughs> She earned a BA in English from Denison University in Granville, Ohio? Yeah. Okay. She was raised outside Philadelphia and lives in Brooklyn, New York. And traveled all the way up here. Yes. On the one, (laughs) as ASAP Rocky would say. Anything is better than that one train. Um, I love the one train. Anyway. (laughs) Today's brand of fuckery is brought to you by Abby getting Emerald City on Oprah's book list. (laughs) Which will never happen. But I'm throwing it out there for all our listeners. Okay, yeah. Hi, Abby. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we're really glad that you're here, and we're really glad that we have found a rapport so quickly. Totally, and in fact, I'm going to bring you everywhere to just read that bio, because you you did it really well and dramatically. Really? Yeah. I felt I felt like I <laughs> fucked it up in a way that I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, but I cut, I'm going to cut out those pieces that you stuttered over, so... Okay. It'll be fine. It'll be but but elegant. not 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 the not the little no commentary no. color no. commentary no, we'll yeah that's those. that's Leave crucial that yeah thank you thank you I'm like fucking Bob Costas over here <laughs> the, uh, 97 finals okay anyway that's just too esoteric <laughs> let's start with read it forward especially the uh, publisher agnostic book vertical holy shit yeah so what does that mean basically I like to think of read it forward as helping people find their next great read. Yeah. So we are owned by Penguin Random House. Uh-huh. And the Evil Empire. The largest book publishing company around. Are they is are they is Pantheon under them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They're so Sergio's there. book was uh, I I couldn't make it 5 minutes. Yeah. It's a running joke that I bring up Sergio Del Pava. <laughs> Like I really within hope within the first thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll murder them one day. Um, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's leading there the, the way I'm sounding. But yeah, his his book Lost Empress was published with Pantheon. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So that's so I, yeah. I got I, I got I got love for them. Don't worry. So yeah, I get to help people find great books through editorial content, through social, through we have a YouTube channel, and I have a podcast, a booktube. A booktube. Actually, the Washington Post just called us one of ten booktubes to watch. Oh, Ooh. okay. I know. So oh my catch, goodness. Me, catch my face on YouTube. Our producer's eyes are lighting <laughs> up right now. now yep. I'm just looking it up. Now I want to see. I got deep into a booktube hole there for a minute just when you're researching publicity. Yeah. And it's it's a it's lot. It's a vortex. I, had nev- I didn't even know it existed until I started doing publicity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And Katie well. wants to mi- turn me into a booktuber. Yep. That's true. Uh, you'd yeah. be really good at you it. You could add some needed color, I wanna, actually. Uh, yeah? Yeah. You think so? I think okay, so. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, I would definitely be that person just, like, lighting a cigarette and just being, like, this is what I'm like reading, some guys. rakish shit like that, you know? Yeah. So, publisher agnostic, I get. That means we're non-biased. Yes. Yes. Exactly. We're, uh, any books from any publisher. So, that right. used to be true. 
Okay. That used to be true. I mean, this is interesting. So read it forward when we were sort of in our nascency and starting out. We really just wanted to build a community of readers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we did. We covered books from all across publishing. Now, because I work now in corporate marketing mm-hmm. for Penguin Random House, we really uh... just focus on... Um, PRH books. Yeah, there it is. Luckily, we have so many great ones to choose from. Uh-huh. That, you know, we have tons of cookbooks and fiction and nonfiction. And so it never feels like, oh, gosh, I'm really like, I really wish I could cover this amazing thing because we do publish a lot of amazing things. Yeah. Um, and it actually makes my life a lot easier. I used to get tons of packages from HarperCollins and Simon oh, yeah. Schuster. And so it cuts down on my mail for sure. But sometimes that can be good to just have a finer focus and actually like what i found is that people outside the publishing world don't know who who their publisher is now exactly Mm -mm. so my the reader of read it forward really wants to know like what are 10 books that remind me of a man called ova or what's some memoir that's going to make me cry Mm -hmm. um so we really organize lists around things that people are searching for Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i'm going to do a list of audiobooks to listen to when you can't get to your therapist (laughs) um so really like the average person (laughs) i haven't figured it out yet but well um, grapes of wrath has to be on that because uh what's that movie where they're listening to it this girl and her mom we saw it together i have no oh um And then she falls out of the car. Yeah, right in the beginning. Oh, um, uh, yes, with Sarah Reese Ronan. Yes. Little bird, baby bird, lady bird. bird. Lady bird. There we go. Something bird. Baby bird. (laughs) Yes, yes. And yeah, and on the days, uh, so, you know, Fitzgerald said the sign of of, of intelligence is holding two contradicting ideas, you know, in your head. And on the days that I feel like feeling like a genius, you know, I can love and hate the big houses at the same time. Yep. You know what I mean? Exactly. And like, I, I, I do totally like respect the idea that penguins like, yeah, dude, we got to do this. Like, this is us. You totally. Know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> are they the I, biggest? I respect it too. They are the biggest mm. when they merged. Yeah. Penguin and Random House. When they yeah. merged six years ago, they became the biggest. Yeah. 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 And I, I just had a profile come out in Atticus today. Awesome. Like Congrats. trashing the big five. <laughs> but that's the thing. At the, in, in that same profile, like I congratulate Sergio for getting published at Pantheon. Yeah. You know, it's like, because pub, his publisher is a badass. This dude, Tim, like he's, he's legit, you know? Totally. And so, you know, the world is full of contradictions. It's the way it is. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think like, you know, the more relationships we make across the words, yeah. it just helps people find awesome stuff to read. Yeah. Which is like and and if, so, if someone offered me a, six-figure deal at Pantheon take I'd it. take yeah. it you know <laughs> yeah yeah and totally. then I and then I come back to be like what you got for me <laughs> right. nothing there you go there I got you go. I got a, I built your career yeah, so yeah. Half that, money's that might work that would work that would, <laughs> yeah. that would work on me yeah but yeah that's awesome I really I really like that idea so the uh so the book tube is separate from from the podcast or is yeah, it all Yeah, it's t- separate from the podcast on on YouTube we do, you know, six recommendations called six picks and you know that's like six great books to give your mom. We did in May. And then we also have authors who come into the office all the time and they tell us what they're reading. Oh. Yeah. So that you just do a quick video oh of like Oh my god, I'm I'm looking that reading? up right yeah. now. Yeah. So yeah, I got six books to give your mom. That was the one of the book tubes. I think so. Yeah, six books for moms, maybe. Is or, it like um, a read it forward? Uh, yeah, a book tube. Yeah, read it forward on YouTube. I want the six books to give my mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll yeah. find it. I, I just I just searched it. I'll have that for later. Nice. Um, Good. Joan Rossetti will be very happy. I don't remember what's on it, so it'll be a surprise to all of us. All the books that I recommend her, she's she's like. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you give this no. to me? I got I got her for her birthday once. The Recognitions by William Gaddis. Oh God. And I don't know. I don't know if you know Didn't about go this over book. Well. No, she's no. like she's like this is like I like my eyes are falling like are like literally like I can't get <laughs> the first two pages are just the density is just like a, a naked singularity basically a, a massive black hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, we've got some lighthearted fiction for moms. So that's uh, good. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I barely made her proud with with my novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have like this dream job. I get to read books and tell people about them and it's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. yeah, it's really fun. And I get to interview authors. That's actually like my most favorite part of my job is talking to authors about their books and 
asking them what they're reading mm-hmm. and what they hope readers take away from reading their book, which is always so interesting. I mean, some people are so humble. They're like, I don't care. Like, just please, you know, <laughs> read, read it. it. I'm so touched that you even picked it up. Yeah. And others, you know, have like the most poignant responses. And so it's really, really fun to get to, you know, talk books with people I am obsessed with. <laughs> so do you want to share the story real quick that you shared with us before we got on the yeah, air? Yeah. Yeah. So you, one I, that one that sent oh you into my God, a I was like sobbing cataract yeah. of tears. <laughs> I interviewed Isabella Allende this oh. week and she's got a new book coming in January called the long petal of the sea. And you know, the book is incredible and actually looks at the Spanish civil war in the late thirties and all of these refugees that had to leave Spain. And so there's a lot of comparison Mm -hmm. to today. So I was asking her about how did you feel when you won the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2014? And how did it feel when President Obama put it around your neck? And she's like, well, actually, to answer that, I have to go back to 1992, when I was first becoming a citizen. And usually it's this huge celebration with thousands of people. But my daughter was dying at the time. And her daughter died at 29 Mm. of like a brain infection. Oh, God. Really, really sad. And so she's like, the judge gave me my citizenship privately in his chambers and said, you know, do good things. And, you know, when I won this medal, which is the highest honor that a citizen could ever win in this country, I wrote to him and he's now long retired. And I wrote like, you know, you'll never believe I did good things. And, um, and he wrote me back and said, Oh, I've been following your career. Like you make this country so proud. And, and, um, I know I was just like (laughs) weeping tears Mm -hmm. were really just like falling noiselessly down my cheeks. And she was unfazed by my tears. It's like, she's like, yeah, I know. I'm (laughs) I'm telling you an amazing story. Um, but I'm so, pretty cool. Yeah, she was like, I'm not even going to touch on President Obama. I'm going to touch on this judge that changed my life. And yeah, yeah. It was really, really cool. Well, um, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, that, that's such a, a great moment, and I'm going to completely ruin it. Because when it's, if someone had asked me how did it feel when Obama put that around my neck, I would have been like, I'm glad it wasn't Trump. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I would have probably said the same thing. Some, some, some low blow shit. But yeah, that's an amazing story. I wish I could have experienced that vicariously as well. Yeah. Like, you well, know. you'll be able to listen to it on my podcast in yeah. November. When's it? Oh, November? Yeah. Okay. So our next season starts October 14th. This will trickle out in November. And then her book's coming in January. So, So yeah. So I want to talk about how you got this job. But like, let's backtrack because as we mentioned, holy shit, you worked at the op- I did. You know, I worked oh, at Oprah the Oprah magazine, magazine. You know? and yeah. book and book and also I want to hear about book club 2.0 because I'm actually not familiar with that. I I know about the book club, but yeah, I, I never, so never heard of this. Basically, in in college, I went to a tiny college in Ohio in Granville, as you so beautifully pronounced, uh-huh. uh, Denison University. And I really I was like, I'm going to get into magazines. Do, and in wait, fact, do people usually say like Granville or something? What are they? Like, no, but. Oh. Is it just my the, my dulcet tones? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's nice. That's why I'm hosting this bitch. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna get into magazines. I'm gonna be the editor in chief of Vogue one day. So I interned at Teen Vogue. I interned at Philadelphia Magazine. And then my first job out of college was at Modern Bride and Elegant Bride, which were two different magazines, but mm-hmm. they were helmed by the same editor in chief, mm. and I was her assistant. Elegant Bride was for the bride that had a lot of dough to spend. Okay. Modern Ooh. Bride, you there were some articles about how to make your flowers from the supermarket. Oh, okay. So it was really, really spread the gamut. And we those, got a lot of weddings were coming up, too, so we might need to point those yeah, folks that yeah. way. Totally. We're going to have to subscribe. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> both of them folded oh, in really? 2009, that fateful day when, like, Gourmet closed. All those magazines folded that one day. Wait, why that one day? I don't know about this. Yeah. Oh, it was a real bloodbath in old magazine land. Is it this was, like was this related to the financial crisis at all? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. So financial crisis two thousand eight, and this is now the trickle to October 20, 2009. Yeah. Yeah, we were brought into this office and Condé Nast closed. I think four different magazines that day. Oh. Um, wow. Maybe five. Yeah, and so we were 
told like, all right, you got 72 hours. You got to be out of this office. And then you get back to your desk and you're like, oh, this to-do list I was about to to do. I don't have to to do any of this anymore. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. (laughs) That's some Lehman Brothers shit. Get the fuck out. So why, why, is it just they were hemorrhaging money? And so it was like, stop the gap. Condé Nast had three different bridal magazines. So they had brides. Okay. Modern bride and elegant bride. And literally I worked there. I could barely tell you the difference between them. And so they're like, let's just stick with brides which is the most uh, basic name uh-huh. ever and mm-hmm. that'll be our one bridal magazine and so that still exists now oh wow but they were like we got to cut the fat and so this, they just, these modern and elegant brides they gotta go <laughs> they gotta go so they just yeah. booted fuck, you guys fuck yeah the adjectives <laughs> totally so that day that was at like nine in the morning october 9th Okay. And I got a call at like 11 from the woman who did PR for the magazine. And she was like, you're an amazing assistant. My best friend needs an assistant. Send me a resume. So her best friend turned out to be the creative director at the Oprah magazine, Adam Glassman. And so he's sort of the head of fashion and style at Oprah, which I thought I wanted to go into. And so I was his assistant for a year and a half and pretty soon realized like, I'm not really like a fashion person. I don't really wear heels. You know, it was sort of mm-hmm. like I was trying to fit my sh- foot into a shoe that just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And I don't um, know, you got a pretty stylish shirt on compared to us. I'm like, glad you brought just, that up. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> You got a little. I also have Birkenstocks on though, so it's yeah. a little high low. This is a fancy, but that's like some, that's some sartorial thought that like you know. Yeah. I I kind of just go into my closet and I just grab pick out the first thing my mom bought for me <laughs> when, when I'm still 31 <laughs> years that's old. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, okay, I'll do it as a hobby, but like when you're in it, you really have to like be mm, sure. in it. Uh-huh. So they, I said to the editor in chief, like I believe in this magazine, I love it so much. I love the message, but I really, I miss writing and I want to write for this magazine. And she was like, well, there's a spot open in books. And so I transitioned over to the books department and that was amazing. I mean, that really changed the trajectory of my life. I'd always been a huge book nerd. I was an English lit major in college. And the first book party I went to, like after having gone to fashion parties, I was like, Oh, the, oh, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. This makes way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that was sort of like this major exhale. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, how are you feeling like up to that point? Is Did you know you were working towards something like that? Or were you kind of like just white knuckling this like careers at this point? A little you know bit. I mean? Yeah. It was like I wanted it to fit and feel good. And I was sort of expecting like one day to be like, oh, like I get it. Like. I wake up early, I straighten my hair. You know, there there was none of that. I was sort of all over the place. So finally I was like, oh, okay. Oh, this feels like a comfy pair of pajamas that I just put on and uh-huh. now I can like kick ass. And so the show, Oprah's show, ended in 2011. Uh-huh. And so, right, she'd done the book mm-hmm. club on the show for so many years. So Book Club 2.0 was really us bringing it to the magazine for the first time. Oh, so, so what happened? Could did, live on. So was there even an original still, or was that did that become the it book club? It became the book club. It became like an imprint of the show's book club. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So okay. and she didn't have the vehicle of the show to announce her picks anymore, but Got we yeah. would announce it through the magazine. And now I guess, I mean, congrats Oprah. She's probably, this is now she's on book club like 3.0 because she's connecting it to Apple TV. Oh, wait, does she have a show on Apple TV now? I think she will. Yeah. So her first like that she's hosting is the water dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Wow. That is a, she just announced it. Wow. That's winning the lottery right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And she's like, tune into Apple TV on X and such a date Damn. and we'll chat about it. Yeah. Although I did just read an article in I think Vox that said that Reese Witherspoon's book club is the number one and a big rival to oh, no. the O book club. Apparently like if your book gets announced on Reese's book you go from like somebody went from less than 3,000 books sold to over a million in like 48 hours or something yeah. like that. What? It was like it was yeah it was nuts. I know it really is I mean the power of celebrity in that way is I love, wild. I love that all these celebrities, like I do too, Emma Watson, not Emma Watson, Emma Roberts, Roberts has her own book club. Uh-huh. And yeah. like, Bellatrice. Oh, and yeah. And they're just now like. Jenna on the Good Morning America. Jenna oh, really? Bush. Oh, yeah. She's got herself a stamp on Hey, her. I'm like, keep doing book clubs, totally. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is great. Well, yeah. Also, because like they're keeping it. 
they're keeping yeah. it alive, yeah. like, which is really important. Exactly. That you have people like like people that are just on Netflix now, you know, (laughs) exposing that the fact that this is maybe not all they should be watching, you know, or uh, absorbing entertainment wise. And like adding a book to the cultural zeitgeist is never a bad thing. Yeah, Yeah, of course. I'm totally on board (laughs) with all these book clubs. I have a, I have a question that like, I I think there's like a 2% chance that we're going to like, this is going to be a thing, but did anyone ever talk about and at Oprah, did anyone ever talk about the Jonathan Franzen no. like apocalypse that no. basically went down? Mm-mm. Cause I'm really curious about that. Like how, you we know. never talked about that. And we never talked about James, James Fry. Frey. I was going to ask. Oh my Who, God. By the way, is a Denison alum. Oh really? So oh, I, I got love it on it. both fronts. Yeah. <laughs> James Fry apologizing. Fry? Oh, it's Fry? I always said Fry. It's Fry. I, I think it's Fry. Okay. Yeah. Was it well, like a, well, we do not talk about this or it just, was just yeah. like if you know what's good for you, don't bring it up. Well, no. Yeah. Exactly. And Oprah wow. actually was not really in the office so much. She's yeah. traveling and so but she would come in periodically and at which case like you could just feel the energy in the building just like mm-hmm. totally shift. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. And she's she's awesome. I mean, once she came up behind me and she just like grabbed this book off my desk and she was like, oh, like, what are you reading? And I'm like, oh, I think it's a story. (laughs) And she was like, that sounds great. Just like sticks it under her arm and takes it with her. Just takes your book. Girl, what page am I on? (laughs) Or like, no, you keep that one. I'll get another one. I'll figure it out. I think I probably emailed the publicist and I'm like, so Oprah grabbed my copy and they're like, we'll send you a (laughs) hundred. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. I know. It's wild, man. Just to wield that power where she's like got a book and she like just, you can change someone's life in like a matter yeah, of hours. Totally. I'm like, I guess everything on this whole floor is yours technically. So yeah, you keep that one. I'll get another. That's that's what I'm aiming for. Where yeah. I can just irrigate whatever I want. That's um, wild. Are there have you brought any of those ties over to Read It Forward? Yeah, so actually when I was interviewing at Read It Forward, you know, at Oprah, you get to know everyone in the book biz Mm because they are sending you things in hopes of getting it featured and in the pages of O. And so I made tons of friends and would go out for drinks and stuff with young publicists and I was the book's assistant. And so we all really like grew up in publishing. And so, yeah, so then at Read It Forward, they were really looking for someone that had those connections. First, while we were still publisher agnostic to sort of reach out and, Mm -hmm. and bring those connects over to the site. So yeah, it was... It was great. And then I actually was in the building with a bunch of my very good friends who I'd made, you know, a long time ago. So. Yeah, yeah. And, na- and now y'all are uh, publisher monotheistic. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Going yeah. back to the old ways. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Um, well, but- we feel like big timers having you on here. Then. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad this to is be like, here. Yeah. Like two I'm in a row. glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> So you're, you worked at Oprah yep. and then you made the transition to read it forward. I had or? a stop at glamor in the middle. Oh, okay. Oh, that's so right. I okay, was like, I do I love books or do I love magazines? Mm-hmm. Sort of after five or six years at, oh, well, you were doing, um, bo- you were kind of doing both. At that exactly. Point. Yeah. And so I wanted to see like, where should my career take me? I see. And so I went to glamor and worked there for a year doing their top 10 college women competition which, if you don't know, and no. you probably don't. I don't. It started in the early 60s, and it was very much like shiniest hair, like Becky's got the best outfits for the football game. <laughs> I love and it. And actually, Martha Stewart was a winner from Barnard in the early 60s. Wow. And like has this bouffant hairdo. Oh, I love it. Like the striped Letterman sweater. and Ice cream so cone haircut. It, exactly. It. it has now, some 60 years later, been transformed into the most high achieving young women in college. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I got less to, about appearance and more about depth. Totally. And so Hashtag these feminism. women are like, exactly. <laughs> they're curing cancer. They're going to class, which I barely ever managed to do. <laughs> they are starting nonprofits. They are writing, you know, plays starring queer characters. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I got to profile these women and write about them in the magazine and then arrange all of the logistics for their photo shoot. And then they came to New York for the big award ceremony and I arranged a celebrity panel. And so I was like their den mother and the editor. And um, yeah, it was really, really fun. It was great. And I'm still in touch with actually a bunch of them. <laughs> 
But you decided after that year, like, no, it's really books that I love. Yeah, I really, really missed books. Yeah. And and it was sort of like I wanted to move to digital, you know, at, at a magazine, at a print magazine. They were like, oh, we didn't sell the ad on the facing page. And so mm-hmm. we need you to cut 50 words. And so I was interested in moving to the web where a word count is less of a mm-hmm. big deal. Yeah, I saw this opportunity. Someone sent it to me, actually. I'm in a, I'm in a Google group called Lit Babes. And Maris Kreitzman sent the job posting to me and was like, I think this was actually made for you. So I owe the job all to Maris. For Read It Forward? For Read It Forward, yeah. So that was in May or June of 15. And I started in July of 15, and I've been there ever since. I was about to say, for our listeners, it probably sounds like you just walked into jobs, you know? (laughs) I know. I'm like, and then I moved to Oprah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do the interview at all these places. Yeah, yeah. I do a good interview. Yeah, I so you, them you into... earned them too. It <laughs> yeah, wasn't just like you. you know. What's the interview secret? Asking for just a like oh, fake it till you make it. I mean, I just <laughs> go in there like yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Birkin> stocks. <laughs> I think just like being bloated with confidence. Yeah, even if you don't necessarily feel it, it's just like it just you exude it. Mm-hmm. And then their head will be spinning by the time they figure out that you don't quite know what you're doing, but you're going <laughs> to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, All I got right. the job at Read It Forward and I had never worked on web. I didn't know anything about WordPress. You know, I would ask the dumbest things in, in meetings. They would be like, oh, you know, the SEO. And I'm like, now what is SEO? <laughs> and someone was like, Google it. And the first thing that comes up, that's SEO. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, That's I really meta. learned on the job. That's uh, super meta. I yeah. love that. Google SEO. Hall <laughs> <laughs> um, mirrors right there. Yeah. <laughs> but they knew that I had good taste in books. Yeah. And that I could talk to a brick wall and talk to, you know, our reader. And they hired me to really, like, re-envision the site and mm. redesign it, you know, along with our developers and stuff. But... Yeah, I got to sort of revamp the voice and the mm-hmm. feel and style of the site. So it definitely feels very much like my baby now. And yet your your personal site is under construction by a freelancer. Yes. So yeah, what's yes, that about? Yes, I, kn- I know. I'm trying to make my personal site the coolest thing you've ever seen. Okay. Um, you don't trust yourself to do that? No, I don't. And yet you were doing this for like big time organizations. Yes, you're spoiling my secrets here. <laughs> um, no, the hardest part so is like no, I I'm have all of these articles that look good only on page. Like uh-huh. when they get translated to, you know, oprah.com or something, they look not as impressive mm-hmm. and the art's missing and, you know, so I want to be able to see mm-hmm. them in the way they first appeared. And so, but and then I want to be able to zoom in so you can actually read the words. But if you're listening to this other Brian Faravag who's working on my website, mm. then now consider this time to go and keep working on it Yo. because this Brian is calling us out now. Yeah, from one Brian to another. Exactly. Get what's, it together. So if people are just checking out, say, the podcast for the first time, what's the episode you would direct them to? Oh, my gosh. Slash maybe your favorite one. Like- yeah. Well, I interviewed Amber Tamblin the actress and she's also an activist and she is cool sister of the traveling pants one of my favorite Mm -hmm. movies but she's really cool and and she talks all about like the time's up movement in hollywood which she was a big part of starting and then really owns you know she's married to david cross the actor Mm -hmm. and he had like oh i didn't know that i know that i know that name david cross tobias tobias arrested development oh yeah they're married Holy shit. Yeah. Tobias? Totally. You just don't picture David Cross being married to anyone. No, <laughs> it's hard. I know. Tobi- it's hard. Tobias? Like, totally. come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so he put his foot in it with something he said in the media and got like oh, really? a little bit timesed up. And she talks about how it was like so interesting to watch her husband sort of trip and fall. And uh-huh. so it, it's, it's really an interesting sort of from the perspective of a woman in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to yeah. check that out. Yeah. I that is know. really interesting yeah. because yeah. It, it forces her to look at like the, like kind of like the provenance of like, you know, what happens here. Like, totally. so, you know, I, which I think is like super important. Yeah. Like I, you know, 
I think it's so important to like these people that we demonize. It's like, well, why is it happening? Yeah. You know, because that's how you stop it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She is very cool in person and like knows her stuff. You know, sometimes you don't know if an actress is like just printing this manifesto without. But she is totally real. Do you know what episode that is? I don't, but it's it's named Amber Tamblyn. Okay, so check it out. We'll have to listen to this. Yeah, and then another great one. I interviewed Delia Owens, who wrote like the year's biggest book, "Where the Crawdads Sing." Yeah, and she's so cute. She's like this tiny old lady, and she. I talked about you know because she's actually an amazing biologist and studied like elephants in Africa, and so has written two or maybe three books on elephants mm-hmm. and like the African landscape. And and I asked her about what was it like going from nonfiction to fiction. And she's like this Southern lady. And so she's like, well, you know, picture riding horses. And oh, here's, with, the with idioms nonfiction, are yeah. exactly. You have to, you're in a corral, you're fenced in. But with fiction, like the fences are broken and the horse is galloping that's through. Great. And I'm like, I love that's this. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, she's totally. she's the one that Vox article mentioned skyrocketing from Reese's book club. Yeah, oh. she's, yeah, because it had sold like nothing full circle until Reese Witherspoon picked it out for the book club, and then wow. it just like now it's on every list ever. Uh-huh. Everyone's totally. talking about that book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's quite good, I have to say. Your mom might like it, actually. There we go, <laughs> full circle. And I mean, uh, where the crawdads sing. That's that's a Katie Rainey novel right there. Yeah, that's a that's a me title. Yeah, yeah. I, I do need yeah. to read it. I've been meaning to read it. Are you list. Southern a little bit? Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. All right. A little, yeah. little bit. A little, little bit. bit. Yeah. <laughs> Comes out. Yeah. She was a little girl hunting for crawdads. Yep. Yeah. I was just writing about that. In the, the days other day. of yore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very good and very captivating. So yeah, definitely give it a read. But her interview was was awesome. And then coming in the in the next season, Neil Patrick Harris. We saw that photo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's hilarious. Yeah, I love that dude. He wrote these books for kids all about magic and like being yourself. And they're I read all three of them in one weekend, and they're real feel good stories. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. How did that happen? Did you reach out to them? Or did they reach out to you? They reach out to me. Actually, oh, fancy. I know. And it turns out a dear friend of mine was actually the, his nanny for a long time. Oh, okay. So I'm like, oh, you'll never guess who I'm interviewing. <laughs> so that was that was a fun. I brought that up at the very end. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, and guess who I know? Oh, you're going to um, see a boost in listenership after that episode drops. Yeah, that's <laughs> I serious. Know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but he was very kind yeah. and sweet. Yeah. So it's nice to be face-to-face with authors and they've told me like they're like wow you really the eye contact is really something (laughs) i felt very on display oh (laughs) yeah people not normally make eye contact with them i someone i interviewed the other day her eyes were everywhere else other than like how funny but other people they're like yeah we're having a conversation yeah 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 writers are fucking weird yeah totally we're all fucking really weird yeah what about your writing so i I write mostly nonfiction, memoir, personal essay genre. I think it would be very hard to write fiction. It but is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, nonfiction uh, is equally is so hard. See, when the horse totally. butts, busts down the gate, it's like... Oh, where do I go now? It's not just like we're galloping and... Cur- you know, cavorting gleefully. It's also like, yeah, like where the fuck am I right yeah, now? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've written some, f- I'm working on a memoir right now actually about my dad. So my dad, he and I were super tight and he was diagnosed with cancer in 2011. And so I knew, you know, we had this sort of end point mm-hmm. and I was really fascinated with like what makes us the people we become, like what do we get from our parents that turn us into these people? And so he and I spent a lot of time when he was sick. I would just interview him and like put a recorder in his front pocket and just ask him like, you know, he was drafted to Vietnam, but was a conscientious objector. And Mm -hmm. so like, you know, dad, how did you know you didn't want to pick up a weapon against your fellow man? Like things I'd never asked before. And suddenly like with a deadline, we, we got to a lot of amazing stuff. He was a conscientious, conscientious, I can't conscientious say Conscientious subjector. Thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah. uh, I, I published an essay in Lit Hub that I'd worked on for like, it ended up being over a year, even though it was like 5,000 words. It was about Catch-22 because I had a family friend whose grandfather, there's a lot of evidence that he was the 
main inspiration for Yosarian. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was really fun to work on. And it took a while to get published, but because I think there was a, an element of like, is this fucking real? Like, right. are we going to like get a libel suit or something? Like, not libel, but like a more like, yeah, you know, like whatever, whatever. Like, so did your father get out of getting sent? To Vietnam? He did. Yeah. He worked his ass off and finally went into the army as a medic mm. and then worked really hard to be number one or number two in his class to avoid going to Vietnam. And so he he was on a, a base in Kentucky delivering babies as like a surgical tech. Wow. Oh, that yeah. is a true stay in school kid. <laughs> It'll totally. get you out of war. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. But other than, you know, he never finished college. So it was really, he was so like self-taught he was so curious like at dinner we would be talking about something the four of us and he'd be like go grab the world book let's uh let's look that up an autodidact yeah yeah what what did he end up doing like for for a living he ended up so he took that surgical technology and then he was in sales for surgical devices Ah. so he'd go into surgery and not touch the patient but he'd say hey doc you're gonna want to use our spinal fracture plate or you know skull fracture plate right here and and then he came from a whole line of skilled artists, and he was very good at like sketching. And so the mm. doctor sometimes would be like, now, "You know what I really need is something that goes through the bone like this, and, and it does the, one of these." And so then he would sketch it on the drape, and he has two patents for these. I was about oh, to wow. ask. It sounded like he would have been a good inventor. Yeah. Yeah. Which to bring it totally full circle, when he was sick, he was going to the hospital all the time, and. And he, oh, poor guy, he tripped getting out of the car and he broke his hip right in the oh. driveway of the hospital. Oh. And he got one of his pins put in his hip. Wow. At least he, at least he was on location. Totally. Oh, my God. And <laughs> he, like, loved up. the magic of it all. Like, And the doctor was like, all right, Mr. Wright, like, how about you tell us, you know, the cost benefit analysis of, of doing this surgery and, uh-huh. you know, what are the risks and rewards and... He was like, well, you're going <laughs> to... So, yeah, he was so sharp. That's um, hilarious. How, yeah. how into the memoir are you? I've got, like, chunks. So, basically, it's, you know, I'm writing about his stories, like, in, in his voice that he told me. And then also my experience of, like, watching my dad be sick and, you know, sort of following him up the stairs like a baby. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to fall? So, there's a little bit of that. And then... Also, I'm realizing now, like after I've, he died in 2015, so I'm a little bit further out now, which I think mm-hmm. is like the perspective finally, is that his death actually caused me to get sober. And so I feel very grateful about that. And so I think like my sobriety is going to be in there. So it, it keeps getting bigger, <laughs> but I think in a really amazing way. Um, and you don't have to answer this, but are, do you wish that you had done it before he passed? Yeah. I do. Do you like, did he knew that you wanted to or like, you know, something like that? So I'll tell you this, the story. I found a journal of his. So I'm like, so sad. It's the Christmas after the October that he died. And it's in between like Christmas and New Year's. And I'm just like in my parents' house, like sitting in his office, which just feels like him and like going through his like desk, which was like, you know, like your dad's desk is so mystical and like what secrets are hidden in there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like going through things and I find this like 1970s composition notebook and I open it up. The first page that falls open that I open it to is his handwriting and it's his New Year's resolutions for 1979 into 80. Mm-hmm. And so he's 31 when he's writing it. I'm 31 when I'm reading it. Uh-huh. And he goes, treat myself better mentally, physically, spiritually. And then he highlights no booze, no drugs. Mm. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think. And did he. I think you're telling me something here, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Did he did. Did he have issues with it himself? I, mean, I like- never knew him to ever struggle with it. So like he was a huge guy, like very big in uh-huh. stature. And so I never saw him drunk. But reading this notebook, it was like, you know, he'd be like, today's the day. Like, I'm so bar- far behind at work. Like my boss knows that I'm like two weeks behind on paperwork. I got to quit smoking dope and drinking beers. And like, today's the day. And then 9 p.m. the same day, he'd be like, whoops, had two joints and six beers. And I'm like, fuck, like this is my thought process in his handwriting like 30 years ago. Yeah. So it made me sort of look in the mirror and be like, what 
are you engaging in that like you could mm. be treating yourself better mentally, physically, spiritually? Yeah. And so I really feel like he like took my hand and like just led me there. And you know, it took a while for me to get there. That was in in 2015 to 16. So I dabbled in sobriety and then went out. And then, you know, by 17, it was pretty clear, like, this is what I need to do. You you had done enough research, as they say. I had done enough research, exactly. (laughs) So it's the best decision I've ever made. And I wish he could see that. Yeah. Like, I wish, but I do, I feel like he knows, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I feel like I had this wild dream. I haven't told really anyone about this, but I had a dream where... um, you know, we were in some party and my brother and I, I was like, oh, Jeff, it's time to like go into this room where the coats are at this party and like talk to dad, even though in the dream he was already dead. So I'm like lying on this bed, like on top of all the coats. And he's, my dad's like sitting in this armchair and I'm like, dad, I just celebrated three years sober. And at the time of the dream, I had just celebrated two years sober. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I just celebrated three years. And he's like, I know. And I love that you use the word celebrate. Mm. So it was almost like looking forward into the future. Mm -hmm. Like this is a path you stay on. He knows. He's totally psyched. We're celebrating this. Like it's not a life sentence here. Yeah. It's actually just like the total badass way to be so excited about this memoir thank you yeah he and i had sailing in common and so sort of the tie through all of the things is like i was sort of like did i get sailing like as a gene like is that a gene you can (laughs) get like a love of the wind and everything that he loved and so my working title is adjust your sails like, you know, we can't change the wind and like losing your dad to cancer is That's shitty wind, yeah. but you have That's to adjust crazy. your sales. What I just, what I read on the day that I talked about going to rehab and stuff like that on this podcast, I read about a character whose dad said the same thing to him. No Like, way. you can't change the fucking wind. Like, you know, you just... Yeah, that's that's crazy. Totally. Well, um, and I, I got that on a fortune cookie, uh, some Chinese food when he was sick. Uh-huh. So, yeah. It's a good mantra, I think. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Well, so since you're so affiliated with Penguin Random House, when you when you get it finished, are you going to go be like, "Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> um I oh, I hope so. I have an agent, Victoria Sanders, who's awesome and What agency? Victoria Sanders and Uh, Associates. Cool. She's very cool and hilarious, and I love her. And she's totally been, like, so patient. She was like, oh, you you know, whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I will be like, in order to promote my own book, um, (laughs) could we maybe sell it to Penguin Random House? Um, Yeah, yeah. that would be a bummer if you were doing this podcast that you could not promote your own book because it wasn't through them anyway. That would be... But then again, yeah. interviewing yourself is going to be kind of difficult. It that is. could be a really funny episode, though. <laughs> so, Abby. Hey. Uh, yeah. But I also write like fun personal essays just about like being a 30 something year old woman in New York and dating and all sorts of weird experiences that I've had that, of course, you know, you collect. And mm-hmm. yeah, you were talking um, about one. Is it time? Or yeah, I think, like 45 I think it is. minutes in. Do you yeah. want to read is it? it? Time? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull it up here. I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> Just <laughs> for context, see, we, we were talking about this essay before we started. Yeah, we got a, every- uh, we got a jacket copy for yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a piece I wrote for The Cut, New York Mag, and the title is called I Wanted to Break Up, Then He Got a Tattoo of My Name. It's pretty accurate, on-the-nose title. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a surprise for you, said my boyfriend, taking my hand and sitting me on his bed. Oh, goody, a gift, I thought. But instead of handing me a present... He lifted the bottom of his t-shirt and pulled it up to reveal a white bandage. I felt my heart begin to beat wildly against my ribcage. Oh, God, no. Grinning, he peeled back the tape on the bandage to reveal jet black curly Q script spelling out my name. Abby. Inked into his skin forever. The tattoo was located at the bottom of his abdomen, at the, quote, man muscle, that crest of definition leading from a man's hips down into his jeans. This wasn't his first tattoo. Others included a symbol 
of a favorite band on the back of his broad neck and the fighting Irish symbol crudely drawn on the back of his leg. He looked at me expectantly, and though I felt like screaming, I told him I loved it and lightly ran my fingers over the raised flesh. Later, I watched the tattoo rise and fall with his breath. I tried to be proud of it, to think of myself as the kind of woman who was so irresistible that men wanted permanent proof they had known and loved me. But I didn't feel that way. It felt like a noose. I had entered into our relationship knowing it was probably doomed. He'd been the bartender at my Aunt Sally's wedding. Over-serving minors is never a great start to any relationship. He lived in Boston, and I was headed back to my Ohio liberal arts college in the fall. I was 20. He was 12 and a half years my senior, though, to some extent, frozen in a man-child amber. For a while, though, it worked. We fell into a deep, trance-like love that winter. My visits to Boston, connected by hours on the phone, the air thick and heavy with sleep on the line between us. But as February eked into March, I became preoccupied, like the college junior I was, by my heavy course load and the swirling dramas of campus life. When I visited him over spring break, I was already pulling away, thinking of ending it. Then he presented me with the tattoo. It was, in a way, a masterful stroke. How could I break up with someone who had my name tattooed on him? In the beginning, I loved telling people the story, watching their eyebrows shoot up in impressed surprise. Wow, you must be really good in bed, guys would say. (laughs) While girlfriends would reply, he must really love you. I'd nod in implicit agreement as if to say, I am, and he does. I enjoyed the feeling so much that I let it take over. Rather than break up, as the fall of my senior year began, I simply started dating someone else at college and found myself carrying on two different relationships in two different parts of the country. Throughout that year, I tried unsuccessfully to split from the man who had my name inked into his skin. If we were together, our screaming matches would devolve into sex, the tattoo a real physical presence. If we were apart, a fight would often be followed by a text message a photo of the black script on his skin, a move I interpreted as, I'm sorry, I love you, don't leave me. So I didn't. The tattoo laughed at me, taunting me with its permanence. I'd long known our coupledom didn't have staying power, but the ink of my name on his body? That was forever. After graduation, my job search took off, And there he was, still working the same shifts at the same bar. I was looking for bigger things, and I'd started to realize he and his tattoo didn't really fit into the version of the life I saw for myself. Our relationship was like the last vestige of collegiate rebellion I was hanging on to, something from an earlier version of myself. In the same way, I now knew that yelling at him to get a career wouldn't suddenly implant ambition in him. I'd also started to understand that the tattoo was his problem, not mine. I wasn't beholden to that choice he'd made. It also wasn't doing me any favors. When I finally broke up with him two and a half years after he'd presented me with the tattoo, three years after I'd started thinking we should end it, I looked him square in the eye, told him the truth, and walked away. I felt lighter, as if the thin, black, curlicue script had finally released me from its hold. I do still think about the tattoo, though. My ex and I met for dinner last year, after five years of not speaking. Emboldened by a glass of wine, or four, I asked if he'd had it covered up or removed. Nope, he said, lifting his shirt and showing me the familiar curves of my name on his hip. 
Why would I remove it? You were a huge part of my life. He seemed content with the everlasting reminder of our love marked on his body. And in that moment, I felt almost grateful for it, as if he were a historian or an archivist, protecting and preserving our one-time slice of happiness for himself. Wow. Wow. What a tale of romantic extortion. (laughs) I know. It is like psychological warfare a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how that, like, you know, maybe not that soul thing, but like that definitely helped you stay in a relationship you didn't want to be in for Mm. another two and a half years. It truly did. And I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like, you know, like no one is in a relationship that goes like, oh, they realize, oh, I want to break up with this person, and then then goes to their house. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, but then they get a tattoo on. on their... Exactly. I knew someone it's that like was that's... staying together because of the the rent. Like, they lived together, yeah, and they, they were like, I can't pay for an apartment <laughs> on my own. Oh yeah. god. Yeah. Oh, the humanity. It's real. Oh, the I know. Humanity. All right. Well, it's getting close. Is there anything else you want? to... Yeah. There's any anything else you want to bring up? No. I mean. I'm so honored to be here. This is so great. We're yeah, thank honor. you yeah, for being are. on. This has been great. Yeah. This has been so great. I now my my Eagles, my Philadelphia Eagles are playing on Thursday night football. So Oh, oh shit. That's sorry. where No, that's where I'm headed. We got uh, oh, Okay. Are you are you are you going to a uh, a gathering of Eagles fans, or no. are you just going home? I to... just I scream at the TV, so I it's love better it. to be alone. Yeah, oh, we should have you over sometime to just watch football, and Katie can act like she like I've. I've well, exp- does this mean you're an It's Always Sunny fan then? Definitely. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. Right. We're, oh, we're we got just, yeah. We're fucking. Yeah. We're we're doing totally. it now. Yeah. I'm yeah. now sure. a fan of the Eagles just because of that show. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I, I am a I am a very very rueful Redskins fan. I hate everything about that franchise, but I grew up Yeah, so what are you supposed them. to do? Yeah. I hate Daniel Snyder. Mm-hmm. I hate the fact that they haven't changed their name. Yeah. I they suck. They They're do. the worst. I know. But it's really fun because if they lose, I'm happy. And if they win, I'm kind of happy. And yeah. now we're I'm a actually like podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is um, important yeah, stuff. Yeah, so Eagles Redskins will just hang out and watch and I love It'll it. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, and yeah, when yeah, we'll your do that. memoir comes out, we definitely want you to come back. Definitely. And read from it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. I'm so honored. Thank you, guys. This has been so fun. Yeah, thank you. Wait, well, can we plug, where can people find all of your oh, other yeah, things? Oh, yeah. Go check out readitforward.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, Read It Forward. Check us out, Read It Forward YouTube. And search Read It Forward wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. Yeah. And I'm just affiliated with all of that. So, yeah. It's Abby with an E, not Abby a Y. Abby with an E. Right, right. And, and yeah, it's not, it's not Abe. Yeah, although in college, <laughs> the, the football players called me Abe the Babe. Oh, nice. I like so, that. That's a, not I'll a bad name. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. that. That'll but get yeah. you ta- that'll get your name tattooed on someone's exactly. Someone's, you know, come on, guys. Man part, <laughs> manly part. <laughs> okay, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review on whichever platform you're listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Animal Riot Press or through our website AnimalRiotPress.com. This has been the 37th episode of the Animal Riot Podcast with your host Brian Birnbaum and featuring Abby Wright. Transcripts for our deaf and hard of hearing animals are provided by Jonathan Kay. This episode was cut by our podcast assistant, Dylan Thomas, and we are produced by me, Katie Rainey. See you later, you filthy animals. Valley.